Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's the Food Show. Welcome back. WWL HD2 105.3 FM. It's Dan Lelchuk, the gourmet cellist here. Hour two, so we're running out of time. So pick up the phone and call, will you? 504-260-6368. Another special guest. Here we go. Uh, Joining us now uh, live on the telephone to talk about uh, a new book, uh, springtime cooking, and uh, wherever else the conversation leads, is uh, Teresa Lust. Uh, Teresa, you are most welcome to the food show. Well, thank you for having me. What now, a pleasure. Uh, but, Good to hear your voice. Uh, yes, you too. Uh, now, it, it's, it's our pleasure because uh, we got so many great comments uh, from the last time you were on, which was a couple of years ago. So before we start talking, let me just uh, give a, a quick rundown. Uh, you have cooked in farm-to-table restaurants everywhere from the West Coast to New England. Uh, You have a master's degree from Dartmouth College with a concentration in creative writing. Uh, And you also teach Italian at uh, the world-famous Rossia Center for World Languages at Dartmouth. And you give cooking classes, and you write essays and recipes and books. So uh, you're pretty busy. I am busy. (laughs) Now, uh, it's... it's, um, I was looking at your website. You have a, a sort of a gardening section now. Uh, what what do we do in springtime? Uh, what what is uh, your favorite thing to do when? Uh, now imagine we're in New Orleans. So just fast forward a little bit. It's already warm here. But uh, but what do you like to do with vegetables in springtime? And point us in a direction. Right. Well, my favorite thing this time of year. Uh, we're still waiting uh, here in New Hampshire for it, but you are in the thick of it now. Is just all of the the really wonderful fresh green things that that are available in the market are coming up in people's gardens. Uh, uh, I was out today. Our snow has finally melted off, and I was tri- cleaning out my asparagus bed. and And asparagus is, I I think that it is just the quintessential spring vegetable. It's it you can sort of you can find it in the markets around maybe at different times of year, but never is it so wonderful as right in the spring, and especially if you can find it in your own garden or growing nearby, uh, because it just has this, this this intense essence of spring that that fades with time. So I really like to I cherish it this time of year when the asparagus comes up. Now, what do you do with asparagus other than, I mean, I know a classic way is, is steaming it. A lot of people uh, grill it. Uh, I, I guess you can do it any myriad of ways, but do you have a favorite way you like to do it? Well, what I like to do with it, uh, I love to roast it. Uh, I, I just harvest, the, the, the harvest from my garden, and I uh, toss it with a little olive oil and salt and pepper, and that's it. And I lay them out flat on a 
a sheet pan and put them in a hot oven, 400 degrees, and they, depending on how thick they are, they it depends, uh, maybe 8 to 10 minutes is all it takes, but you can pull open the oven and ha- take one out and have a look, just bite it when it's kind of al dente, but it's, it's a little withered looking and maybe a little charred at the points. That's it's just it tastes so intense at that point. It's it's really great. And then what this is one of my favorite dinners for when I'm by myself and my husband found out that I would make this for myself and he started uh he, I would make it when he was gone and uh then he would he would uh say no 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 you can't make it this one I'm I'm gone you have to make it for all of us. <laughs> it, it it's <laughs> It's so it's so simple. You take that roasted asparagus, you take a piece of of good country bread and toast it, and then you fry or poach yourself an egg. And so when the toast comes up and the asparagus is done and the egg is done, you put a little butter on the toast, top it with the egg, and uh, excuse me, top it with the the asparagus laid out on there, and then put the poached egg on top with a little salt and pepper or maybe a sprinkle of cheese. And, and I like my egg to be, like, set all the way around, but still the yellow kind of oozing out a bit. And when you break into that with your knife and your fork, it soaks into the asparagus and into the bread. and It's really exquisite. Wow, that sounds unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Especially since I haven't eaten today yet, so... <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, so... That's asparagus. That that that's a, a trick on a uh, a favorite dinner of yours for for one, or I guess not for one anymore. Um, <laughs> but uh, what else? What else do you really like to do? I I know you do, um, for example, uh, cooking classes uh, out of your out of your home in New Hampshire. Um, what what is something that people are always wondering about? What what do people want to learn about? Well, I I. Love Italian cuisine, and that's kind of my specialty. So people always seem to want to learn how to make pasta, um, or to make a spirit, to make uh, excuse me, make pasta or make a risotto. And um, that, those are just two uh, things that lend themselves to spring vegetables. I mentioned asparagus. Uh, you, you could take those asparagus, that asparagus, which is either steamed or or roasted, and cut them up bite size and toss them into. Uh, fresh pasta or into a risotto. The other thing that I it's a, just a treat for me in springtime, and I don't know if you have this down in your part, uh, but uh, we have morel mushrooms that will be coming up here in a couple weeks, and they are another uh, the spring delicacy that we only, can, we only have them here for a couple weeks, and I feel lucky. I don't always find them every year. It sort of depends on the rain and uh, so any kind of spring mushroom is an, is another thing where you get a night that's, that's still kind of a little bit cool, not not hot anymore, and you feel like you want something uh, a little bit warmer, comforting for for dinner and a risotto or a fresh tagliatelle, handmade pasta with uh, with sautéed mushrooms is another treat of spring. Now, would you do a, a mushroom risotto or? Or, oh, yes. Well, so, so guide us through that, if you could, because uh, a lot of people uh, are intimidated by risotto, as, as you probably discovered, and, and there's, there's nothing to it, really, right? It, it's really straightforward, and I, th- I think you're right. I think they're put off, uh, or they're, they're intimidated to try because they, they think that it requires too much timing, and they're afraid that, it's, that they won't get the timing right. And I think that uh, it's quite forgiving, and it uh, it requires that you are a little attentive to what you're doing because you do have to stir it. 
but uh, I, I always start uh, risotto with um, uh, what's called a sofrito. That means you cut up an onion, uh, maybe a little, uh, dice up a small clove of garlic, minced, um, and saute that with a little bit of olive oil or uh, butter, just a, you know, a spoon, teaspoon, tablespoon, tablespoon probably. And you, you get that simmering, the onions cooking in your pan. And at the same time, you need some good, rich chicken stock or, if you're vegetarian, vegetable stock. But it really does give this body to the risotto. So you have another pot going on, a, a burner that has some bubbling chicken stock. Once, you're, once your vegetables, your onion is uh, translucent, you add in uh, your rice. Your riso- it's arborio rice is kind of the... Uh, essential ingredient has to be arborio. The uh, other rices don't basmati or they don't work quite the same as this short grain, starchy Italian arborio rice. You throw that into the pan, um, and you stir it around, and you let it cook for a minute or two. You can kind of see it getting a little translucent around the ends as you're stirring. And uh, then when it, it uh, kind of has had a, a few uh, a few minutes to simmer, you pour in a, maybe a half a glass of wine and um, let that bubble down, and then after that first liquid is gone, you start ladling in chicken stock, and you just do it by enough to cover, so a couple ladles full to to cover your your, uh, risotto, and you just uh, kind of stir it around on a very, you put it on a sort of a medium-low heat. It should be going, let's see, it it should be not going blip, 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 and it should not be going bloop, Bloop! It's in between it to be more like blip, 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 like that. That's like that. the sound that you want. <laughs> Everybody got that? Did you all write it down? <laughs> That's a crucial, crucial instruction. <laughs> no, it's actually very good because stoves are so widely varying in, in the heat that, that someone's medium high could be someone else's low. Um, exactly. It's more important to know what you're looking for and what you're listening for. Uh, so then, yes, you just keep you just keep ladling as as the, the the stock gets absorbed by the by the rice. You just keep ladling it in, and it's kind of hard to say how much because it depends on the, it depends on how fast it's it's uh, evaporating and how fa- how old the rice is and maybe exactly what type of arborio. But but it, you probably need about five or six cups total, and uh, pretty soon you'll find that uh, your your rice is getting to be, uh, it's a little more than al dente, but it shouldn't be mushy. It it, it has this, a little toothsomeness to, to it. And at that point, you stop ladling in the liquid. Um, you hit it with a, a handful of grated Parmesan cheese, test and see if it needs salt and pepper. And if you have any blanched asparagus or you've uh, uh, sautéed up some mushrooms uh, in a separate pan, you stir those in now, and then you put a lid on it, and you just kind of let everything soak in for another minute or so. And uh, then you're ready to serve your risotto for dinner. Then you're ready. So so you, you put the lid on off the heat. Yeah, take yeah. it off the heat and just let it rest. It's had a lot of work and it's tired and it just needs to kind of finish on its own. <laughs> now, um, but before we get into your a bit of your background and the book, I, I was wondering um, what what drives how you decide what you're going to cook? Because I, it's a question I ask of a lot of guests on this show who are accomplished food people, and uh, and I want to know 
what happens when you get home or when you start thinking about dinner? Is it, is it all produce-driven or, or what you see at the market or when you have a hankering for something? Because uh, when, you, when you're someone like you and you have a vast repertoire, uh, how do you narrow it down and pick a meal? Oh, that's a nice question. I I'm, I I seem like I'm I'm often thinking about it through the week, and it 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 can be driven by if if I um, something's ready in my garden, or I find those elusive morel mushrooms, or I've gone to the market and there's something there that is special and looks wonderful, and then I realize, okay, this is what I'm going to center my meal around. Uh, often I I have. Um, uh, Maybe I don't know something in mind that some. But usually, my one of my kids or even my husband will say they they make a list. They make a list of things that they want to cook for dinner. So I I have to first re, refer to the list and see if there's anything on the list that I that I uh, that I can make for that evening. Um, uh, I I really do. I'm an omnivore, and so is everyone else in my family, but uh, I, I eat a lot of vegetables. So I think that the, the, the vegetables that are in season, they really do drive what I'm, what I want to make. If, if I, um, this time of year, if we are coming here in New Hampshire off that shoulder season of, oh, it's been a long winter of, of broccoli and kale, and I love all those kinds of things, but, uh, but now that we have uh, we have strawberries showing up in the market that actually look like real strawberries, and and we have asparagus coming in, so uh, I th- I think I am pretty produce driven about what's 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 ready to go in my garden, and uh, then I I sort of make that be the the basis when I get even the first. Oh, the first lettuces of the season, um, not the kind that come in a clamshell, a plastic clamshell or a, a bag, but, but real lettuce from my farmer's market or growing in my garden. And we have I, just the eggs this time of year are, are even better, especially if they're from a market and farmer's market. And just making a, a wonderful spinach salad with uh, bacon and hard-boiled eggs on it, that is a really nice supper or 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 lunch and and it's really grounded in the season so i'm a seasonal uh what's growing out of my garden kind of uh, a person now how do you how do you pick eggs you know because a lot of people think that well it's it's all the same thing it's absolutely not at all how do you how do you know if you're getting a good egg i mean obviously if you go to a farmer's market your chances are, are improved uh, exponentially right off the bat I th- that's that's exactly right, and I, I happen to have chickens. Um, I have well, I have sort of some geriatric hens, and they haven't been laying uh, much all summer long. They were or all winter long. They were on their uh, I don't know. They were on their union break or something. But now they are <laughs> they're <laughs> they're laying again with the warmer days and the longer days. And so now I have eggs. Like I just came in and I had. I had eight eggs. Every one of my hens laid an egg today, so I'm proud of them. Uh, uh, so I always know that I'm getting a really wonderful fresh egg. Um, uh, but I think the farmer's market and, and even I think even just grocery stores are, are carrying eggs from from people who are growing them more close, who live more closely. And then you you can you can even look on the the date. I think it ha- has to do with freshness. 
Um, and in a, a, a farmer's market, hen that's a hen that's free range that's actually eating something besides just pellets of grain, their 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 yolks are just dark and big and rich, and they they do taste better. So and and you want to look for that dark yolk, right? With, with with a really deep orange color. Yes, it's it just that reflects that they're eating something besides grain pellets, and um, they just have a. a just a fresher, more explosive flavor. They, you know, we kind of overlook eggs. I think most of us we don't really feel like them as though they have much flavor. But when you get a really fresh, good one, it does. Absolutely. So if you'll be so kind as to hold uh, through a brief break, I'd love to talk about your uh, your latest projects. Uh, if you will uh, stay on hold, it's commercial radio, so we have to go to a commercial if you don't mind. Um, is that okay. all right with you? Sounds wonderful. Okay, so uh, this is 105.3 FM HD2, WWL, uh, streaming live all over the Internet, wherever you have connection to the World Wide Web. This is Dan Lelchuk, the gourmet cellist. Call us, will you? 504-260-6368. We'll be back after a very brief interview. Hello, and welcome back to The Food Show on WWL Radio. The Food Show. Pick up the phone and call, will you? 504-260-6368. 260-MENU. It's Dan Lelchuk. You're the gourmet cellist. Busy show, and we're going right back uh, to the phone lines where distinguished writer about food, uh, Teresa Lust, joins us live from her home in New Hampshire. Welcome back. Thank you. Now, how did you get into food to begin with? Well... Uh, I grew up with food. I grew up in a, a family of Italian-American heritage and also on my father's side a farm, raised cattle, and my grandmother had a huge garden. So I, uh, with a big extended family and the Italian background in a garden and a farm, you are sort of immersed in food to begin with. Um, then after I got out of college, I was living in a ski resort town, and I wanted to ski during the day, so I did what everybody did does, and you get a job in a restaurant so that you can have your days free to ski. And I just sort of gravitated to the back as opposed to the front. Even I, I just uh, I liked cooking. As often happens in small restaurants, somebody didn't show up for a shift, and they were shorthanded, and so the next thing I knew, I was helping out, washing dishes, and making salads and little things like that in the back, and that was the, the start of the restaurant work. So the restaurant work uh, lasted for, for the better part of a decade, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I think that uh, I, I moved from the West Coast. Uh, I, started, I went up to Washington State, and I was cooking in a restaurant um, up there that uh, on the Long Beach Peninsula, um, we had our own herb gardens, and the owner was part owner in a fishing boat that brought in salmon. And so it was really sort of at the, the forefront of that whole idea of using local products and growing what you can. And, and then uh, back to California and then ended up out here when I met my husband, and I kept cooking out here. And then I, I decided I wanted to, to go back to school, and I wanted to write, and uh the restaurant where I was working at the time, uh, the owners decided to close, and it was right when I was working on my master's thesis, so it was kind of good timing, and 
that was sort of ended my my uh, cooking career. I was also at the time just sort of feeling like I I love cooking in restaurants. I love the excitement. I love the theater. I love the the array of what you could work with. But I I really liked cooking at home, and I liked cooking for my friends. And we were starting a family, and I I just, that home cooking just really resonated with me. Um, so it was perfect timing when the restaurant closed. That's I think why I kept writing about food because I. I wanted to write about that experience of of having this connection to the food that you're food on your table, the food that you're giving to fam- family and friends um, from home, and that it can be just wonderful and rewarding and delicious. And how did you meld the experience and the professional qualities of a restaurant kitchen and everything that you gleaned there? with the emotion of your family background because the two have to become joined. Yes. I, I think one of the things that you learn working in, in a restaurant is just to you get more organized and uh, you're faster because you've, you've just done – you have to be speedy when you're working in a restaurant. You have to you – you're, you're efficient, you're faster, you're organized – and so that, it, combining that with the, the uh, trying to cook dinner after you get home from work, for many people it's just overwhelming and they would rather get takeout or, or prepared food or what have you. Um, but if, if you can, if you know how to put a meal together that's going to be a delicious meal and a simple meal and a, and a cost-effective meal, uh, then you can have that sort of, you can have that experience without having to go out to dinner. And uh, I can pull that off because I I am efficient in the kitchen. It's it's kind of the best of both worlds to me. It's it's a joining of the the technical with the the heart, yeah? Exactly. Yeah. That's a very nice way to put it. I I, I think that, uh, yeah, well, I I just, I love to have people around the table. I love to have the meal... Take longer because there's conversation, and and I think if you provide a good meal, it's 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 enjoyable. It's it's it is there is an art and there is a technique and there is a skill to learning how to cook, and it's a way to communicate. And so if you can do all those things, it's just it's just a place that we Americans tend to forget that that's what the dinner hour is about. And I just have made. Uh, a special effort to to maintain that, and that's in my writing. I want to share that with people so that maybe they can try to incorporate that or appreciate that in their own lives. And before we get to your writing, which is what we're moving on to next, what is something that, let's say, you're having over four friends, and no one has any dietary restrictions, and everybody loves everything, and it's uh, kind of a early summer, late spring meal. Uh, what is something that, that you really love to make, uh, that you love to eat? Obviously, you wouldn't make it, but what's something that, that really gives you pleasure to make? And you also have all day. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, if, if, I, if I had all day, I probably would make a sort of, some sort of hand-stuffed pasta um, because I just I love to make pasta. And uh, you, this time of year, it, it, it's something that... Uh, Everybody enjoys it, and no, very few people have have a, the experience of, of 
of a homemade uh, um, ravioli or uh, tortellini or something like that. They even if you buy it in a package or in a prepared food at a, a store, it's it's not quite the same as as that experience of having freshly homemade. So that's probably what I would do. I'd probably stuff it with uh, uh, make a mixture of of chicken, ground chicken and mortadella and a little nutmeg and Parmesan cheese for the filling and then just something really simple with uh, butter and that's been infused with fresh shaved leaves and a shaving of par- and fresh Parmesan cheese on top. No, that's, that, that, that's a very savory filling that that's, that um, that could be from, I guess, a couple of regions, but, but where is this? This one sounds like it could be from Lombardy. Uh, yeah, it's definitely northern. The stuffed pastas yeah. are tend to be northern, from Emilia Romagna. The, from my family is in the Piedmont. Um, and I spent some time in Le Marche. All of those regions are known for their handmade pastas. So, if if someone wants to get a recipe for the the filling you just described, which uh, sounds unbelievable, uh, would they be able to do that on your website or? Not yet, because my Not website yet. is still a work in progress, but <laughs> stay tuned. Check back. Stay, stay tuned. Okay, I, I, I will make sure to provide, uh, <laughs> to provide the information as soon as it's done, because the website is, is up and running, but, but there's not a ton of recipes there. Um, not yet, yep. Not yet. Now, uh, what is the new book? What is this collection of essays? Well, this new, it's, it's actually, it's not essays. It's uh, more a narrative. Um, it's about, I'm calling, it's called um, A Blissful Feast, and it will be, it's out of uh, fall of 2020, so we have a little ways to go. I just, just uh, am finalizing the contract with everything right now, so it's still in, in its publishing infancy, but it's uh, writing that I've been working on off and on since, uh, since past the polenta. I, I uh, I had I had two children in the meantime, and I got a little derailed with my writing career, right, doing <laughs> other things. So that had to go on the back burner. But I, I finally been pulling it together, and they, it, they, uh, it, it's a, it's a, a look at, at exploration of my travels um, in Italy and the food and recipes and cooks whom I encountered along the way. And it starts in the Piedmont, which is my relatives are uh, from just outside of Torino, which uh, the Piedmont is the region up in the northwest, the, the border, shares a border with France um, and the Alps. Uh, it's famous for its red wines and for truffles and things like that. The Olympics were there back in 2006. Yeah, so, yeah. That's where it starts, and then I I had to be I had to learn Italian in order to explore the cuisine of Italy to the degree that I wanted to, and I started studying at language schools, and one of them was in southern Tuscany, in a region called La Maremma, and so the second set the part of the book uh, explores the people I met and the the dishes that I encountered. The I. I I'm very attracted to the what are called piatti tipici, the the, the local specialties um, of a region. They tend to be um, simple and based in whatever the ingredients are that are that region is known for, and they often have a, a history behind them or 
a story associated with them, and I'm always really drawn to those stories. So sort of searching out those those local specialties and their stories and then the, the people uh, with whom I shared them or who taught me how to make them or gave me some sort of a secret about making them, they make their way into the book too. And then the final section is another area where I studied, which is called um, Le Marque, and that's um, about halfway up the boot, but on the other side, um, on the Adriatic side. Uh, I, I wanted to choose places where where not many Americans traveled because I didn't want to speak English and I didn't want to have the the cuisine kind of uh, Americanized or made tourist cuisine. I wanted to find authentic cuisine, so that's why I chose those areas. Fascinating. And lastly, what does writing about food give you that eating and preparing and sharing food doesn't? How does it complete the circle, so to speak, to put it on paper, the history and the emotions and the discovery? Oh, I like that question. Uh, it, I think what it does for me is it, it allows me to, as I'm writing, the actual process of writing, it, actually, it allows me to, to relive and reconnect with, through those memories with the people uh, who, who, who I was with at the time. And um, so I, I, I keep them beside me. Uh, it also helps me, uh, it helps me share the stories with others. And I hope my, one of the reasons for my writing is, uh, I just feel like that, that the ability to appreciate a meal with family and friends, a good cooked home cooked meal is something really overlooked and at danger of, of disappearing in the, in the United States. And I just hope that I will uh, encourage other people to appreciate what they're eating and and take the time to make meals for themselves. And then maybe if if I can show them uh, a story that I have, it might inspire them to think, oh, that reminds me of something that happened to me, or or a wonderful meal that I had, or a wonderful friend who used to make this. Just just having a connection to our food besides using it for calories to fuel us through the day. That's beautifully put, and uh, with that, we're going to say goodbye. Uh, more information is to be found on your website, which is uh, dot com. Am I right? Did I get correct. that? Correct, and that's correct, and there will be more information about the upcoming book, which I'm calling A Blissful Feast, uh, and uh, that will be on the website as well. Teresa Lust, T-E-R-E-S-E-L-U-S-T dot com. It's been wonderful talking to you, and we thank you so much for having joined us on The Food Show. Well, thank you. It was quite a pleasure. There she goes. Teresa Lust is gone, and uh, we will be right back after a brief break. Last segment to call, will you? 504-260-6368-260. Menu, talk to me about spring cooking. It's Dan Lelchug, the gourmet cellist, back after a brief message. 260 we'd love to talk to you about anything at all having to do with food and restaurants and recipes and cooking and wine and cocktails and dining out and dining in and all the rest. We uh, have had a pretty interesting show, actually. And uh, the last guest, a uh, special interview I conducted with uh, Teresa Lust, who's a very well-known food writer. Uh, the Blissful Feast is her upcoming book which will be out in uh, next fall. It takes a long time to produce a book. But she got me onto this topic of, of sharing meals. And uh, to me, it's something that, that we don't think about enough because 
uh, we're all driven by by the internet, by social media, by having to run back to work. And and how many times has a friend said, "Meet me for a quick bite"? You know, I'd like someone to say, "Meet me for a long bite." <laughs> I, I I would really love someone to 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 value the communal aspect of of sitting down for food and sharing it with people. And that's something Teresa alluded to. Uh, so it, it got me thinking, if you have one of those meals that you had with someone that was really special or a group of people, a group of friends or loved ones or family or even strangers, uh, call and tell me about that because uh, that that's something we don't get enough of on this show. What we do get a lot of is... Have you been to this restaurant, or, or how, do, how do you make fried chicken, or whatever? But, but it's these uh, the the shared experiences that um, don't come in enough here. So, so what, what was the last great meal with someone that you had, and who was it with? Uh, call and tell me. Two six zero, sixty three sixty eight five zero four, two six zero sixty three sixty eight. We're talking about shared meals and. Uh, an experience you had with someone that was important to you, or not to something you remember, uh, it would be interesting to hear about it. And uh, I, I sort of try to, I'm not glued to my phone, but I do try to take pictures of things so I can remember and then, you know, flip through. I, I put all the food pictures and, and the meal pictures into a folder on my iPhone. And then I can go back and click on the folder and say, oh, yeah, I, I remember that, that lunch with uh, Susie I had 25 years ago. And uh, that, that's kind of the fun of it, to, to be able to, to recollect. Um, we are going to the phones. I, I, I see them ringing off the hook now. Uh, again, call us at the following number, 504-260-6368. We have Ron, the gourmet. Uh, that's all it says, Ron, the gourmet. So welcome. Ron, the gourmet waiter. How are you doing, The gourmet sir? waiter. Welcome, Ron. Great show. Thank you. Thank Got you. a question for you. I make homemade pizza dough, and I'm trying to get my pizza dough to come out softer. What do you any, do? Any hints or tricks? Sure. I, 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 I use... I, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I use flour. I use yeast, water, sugar, olive oil, pinch of salt. Get the whole thing going. Uh, put it on the counter. Cover it for about an hour, hour and a half. Come back. Make it into smaller pizza-sized uh, balls. And then cover those, refrigerate those for at least an hour or two, take those out, bring them down to room temp, and roll them out. You know, that's, Any tips it's, or tricks? it's similar to what I do, but but something now now softer. You mean you, you what kind of a what kind of a pizza are you going what? for as the end product? You, you want you want it like a like a thick a thick or a thin or what's what's the Me- goal? Uh, me- medium. I just want it softer. Sometimes when I make pizza, that it's like cardboard. It's like cardboard. You know, I I. I think one of the things that you could experiment with is the flour because uh, I, I know a lot of my friends who work in restaurants in Italy make sure they use this double zero flour you can buy even at Rouse's they have it actually um, and it's not okay. it's not expensive but it's the it's what's often used for, for doughs in Italy and it's the, the brand is called Anna like the name A-N-N-A and and they okay. buy the double zero flour it, it it seems to do really well for things like this um, I I in terms of soft, I mean, I, I I'm usually going for a crisper, a crisper crust, like like a, a thin Italian crisp. But I know what you mean about the soft. That's kind of like a New York style. Yeah. You know, I, I I'll try the I'll try the flour. I love your show. I'll try the flour and I'll get back with you. Yeah, call back tomorrow Monday. I'll be here. <laughs> 
Will do. Thank Thanks. you. See you. That's uh, the Ron the Gourmet waiter. Uh, and we had a good talk, and I can have a good talk with you, too. All you have to do is call 504-260-6368, 260-6368. And how do you uh, deal with pizza dough at home or anything else? Uh, we were talking about the shared meals before. And uh, I, I have a group of friends here who, who I do these meals with, and we rotate houses and uh, and the four it's four of us total me and, and and three other people and we all actually work together, but uh, we also happen to get along really well. So we do these great meals. And the last time we went over to uh, to Karen's house, she lives near uh, the Gentilly neighborhood actually, and uh, she made this incredible smoked chicken, a whole smoked chicken on the grill, and a wonderful vegetable terrine, a terrine of tomato onion, eggplant, uh, really kind of, a, kind of a classic French vegetable side dish. And uh, it's, it was one of the great combinations because I, I find that, that chicken is so flexible in terms of what you can pair it with that this very light vegetable terrine uh, really worked perfectly. And uh, she used a, a classic cookbook uh, uh, to do it. Um, now, if you have a comment about vegetable terrines or other side dishes or about one of those shared meals because oftentimes you want to remember both the food and the company equally and god knows i do Uh, so call and tell me about it will you a a good meal you had recently that you shared with people and uh and there's kind of that passionate conversation that stems out of it whether it's about the food or politics or anything else uh, it's it's that it often happens around the dinner table, whether it's with friends or family or anybody else. So all you have to do to give that report is pick up the phone and dial 504-260-6368, 260-MENU. Talk to me about some good meals you've had recently. Uh, we, we had a, a call recently which, which reminded me that uh, we don't talk a lot about food of the Far East on this program. We were rather Eurocentric, actually, uh, at Chinese restaurants. I am on the lookout for really good Chinese food. If you have any recommendations, I'd love you to call and and give them to me, because I I have a hard time finding uh, Chinese food in the New Orleans area that's really good. I mean, I can find the sort of, in quotes, American style, lo mein and uh, general chicken or whatever, but Chinese restaurants, I would love, love recommendations. I did go to a place with my friend Guan Yan uh, recently, who's uh, straight from Beijing. And uh, we went to Wei Dao, W-E-I, new word, D-A-O, Wei Dao. It's in a strip mall in Kenner, of all places. And that was a really good meal. Uh, this kind of rich... A steamed fish soup with a, a very uh, kind of vinegary sour greens, and uh, that was a good meal. Also, this very intense fried chicken with a spicy dipping sauce. Little pieces of fried chicken. Uh, that that was a great. That was a, a really great dish. Wei Dao is the restaurant. W e i d a o. Wei Dao. In uh, all the way in Kenner. Chinese recommendations, Chinese restaurants, or if 
you're from China and you want to make me Chinese food, I'll go over to your house. Just give me a call. (laughs) 260-6368. Give me a call, as Sandy did, uh, who's now on the food show. Sandy, welcome. Hey, honey. How are you? I'm fine. I'm on my way home. I've been running all day long to get stuff for a wedding this weekend. Oh, man. You're getting married? No, no, no. Well, next year will be my fiftieth anniversary, oh, so we're gonna, you know, congrats. We do it. No, congrats. Okay, but my godchild is getting married, and they're from out of town. Okay, so oh. I'm doing local little stuff for them. Sure, like you what? Know. Yeah. Well, ordering like you know, just a little tray of sandwiches and, and cheese and fruit for when they're in their room getting dressed. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. Okay, yeah. and prepped, you know, for the, you know, the pictures and all that kind of humbug. Yeah, you know? yeah. All right. I got a good memory. Tell me. For you. Okay. When my, I have two girls, okay, and um, one was mar- one was married, one is not, okay, and we would have a girl night, okay? Yeah. And we'd pick up a, a restaurant and we'd have a couple of drinks and then we'd you know, eat dinner and, you know, laugh. And well, one year I brought pictures of them from, you know, late grammar school, high school of goofy things that they used to do or whatever. And, you know, oh, the boyfriends from back then. <laughs> That's oh. great. That and, is great. I mean, they, when I pulled this wad of pictures out, they go, Mama, what are you doing? I said, well, I kind of thought y'all might enjoy these. (laughs) And we had a ball. That is great. (laughs) Was that at a restaurant or someone's house? Oh, no, a restaurant. Uh, That's great. I bet the waiters got a kick out of it, too. Um, Some of them did, yeah. You know, because they'd see us laugh, and then the girls would hide their faces and turn red. Because I was the type of mama, um, we'd go shopping. And, you know, during the summer or something like that on the weekend. And you know how teenagers go to the mall and they walk around and all And we'd be kind of, you know, their underwear and lingerie stuff. And I'd pull a bra up and I'd holler, Yvonne, you like this one? And there's boys passing. <laughs> That's great. I, I used to do that kind of stuff to them all the time. But it's memories. Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, I embarrassed yeah. them at the time, but we talked about we talk about that stuff to this day. That is, that is great. And, and any favorite uh, New Orleans food? You're going to bring the, uh, the the godson and and all the rest. What what, what are they going to like from here if they're from out of town? Um, well, I talked to the the planner that's doing that. I'm just bringing finger sandwiches uh, from Robes because I like their food. And a cheese crate and a fruit tray and all that kind of stuff. But I told the the, um, the wedding planner, you know, you better have some. Don't do, you know, crap. Funky food. They they want. They're from Mississippi. They want alligator. They want um, crawfish. <clears throat> uh, fried catfish. Sure. They yeah. want good gumbo. And I told her, I said, don't get us this dollar ninety five stuff. I said, you get some stuff. They're paying for this. Yeah. And um, I don't want them to be disappointed. So a real okay? good, real New Orleans gumbo. Yes. Oh, man. I, I, I'm, yes. I'm going to go get some as soon as I'm done with this. You, you put a good idea in my head. <laughs> there you go, honey. 
Thank you Bye. so much for the call. Good talking to you, You love. too. See ya. Bye. Have a good Bye. wedding. Have best oh, regards. We will. We, we will. Congratulations Bye. to everybody. There, there she goes. Okay. It's, it's Sandy with uh, great memories of, um, of restaurants and friends. And uh, you can call, too. Uh, uh, time for just a couple more calls. So, so call at 504-260-6368. One or two more great memories of meals. And, and she had a, a great goofy story there, which, which we're always looking for. If you have something more serious, you can call, too. 260-6368, the gourmet cellist on The Food Show, back in a flash. And we're back, the very last segment of Hour 2 out of 2 on The Food Show here on WWL, 105.3 FM HD 2. Uh, listen online, there's really good sound quality. I, I love that music, isn't that great? Ronald, uh, he, he, yeah, he's, he's nodding, yeah, he's, he likes it too, how can you not like it? It's uh, Dan Lelchuk, the gourmet cellist here, sitting in today, tomorrow, and Monday. Uh, so if you don't call now, don't worry. You'll, you'll have a chance to redeem yourself tomorrow, Friday, or Monday. But if you want to call now, there, there's still, uh, well, a few seconds left. 504-260-6368. That's 260-MENU. 260-6368. And we've had some good recollections here. Uh, we, we've had a... To, to recap, really, what we've been doing here is, is taking a, a tour kind of through spring cooking in northern Italy and uh, what, what we do on the Easter traditions. And, and we, we had at the beginning of the show, you can listen on a podcast later on if you missed it, a fascinating description of a, an Easter pie that's made in Parma, which is a city in the north of Italy, one of the great food cities. Uh, uh, we've talked about fresh pasta, filled pasta. How about that filled pasta with the ground chicken? mortadella, nutmeg, covered in butter. I mean, that sounds pretty darn good to me. Uh, then Sandy called recently. She was talking about gumbo. And uh, I'm always on the lookout for for a really good gumbo. I, I, I don't make it at home. You know, I, I have a rule of if, if I can get it better and more authentically out, I get it out. If it's something that I can make better at home, I make a home. I can make better pasta than... Uh, 99.9% of restaurants uh, that I've had it at in this country, so so I make pasta at home. Steak, uh, you know, if you have a really good charcoal grill, you can get it really hot. I say do it at home. Otherwise, go to a steakhouse. We have lots of great ones in New Orleans. And uh, just food for thought, you know. Uh, but I'm going to be leaving here in a few minutes and... Uh, Going over to the Orpheum, where I hope you'll you'll meet me tonight. Uh, the Louisiana Philharmonic Orchestra performing tonight, tomorrow and Saturday, the Orpheum Theater in New Orleans. Uh, Beethoven, Prokofiev, with whom I happen to share a birthday, actually, April 23rd. Uh, also Shakespeare on that day. But come over to the Orpheum and say hi to me. Uh, remember, I'm, I'm the guy in the kind of lingering around the back in a, in a bright green suit with a long white beard. That's me. Uh, come say hi, and meanwhile, enjoy some great food uh, with good company. And if you can't find good company, have some great food by yourself. This has been a production of WWL Radio New Orleans, 105.3 FM, HD2. The Gourmet Cellist will return tomorrow. Stay tuned for more of the food show, followed by 20 hours of sports. From NBC Sports Radio, signing off. Talk to you later.
TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.